Barry Sherry here. Thanks for tuning in to Pink Noise, a radio show dedicated to amplifying the voices of those who have mined and shined their inner gold. I'm recording on board a floating home that I share with my partner in Seattle, Washington. I would like to acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral lands of the Duwamish people, past and present. Last week, I opened the show by telling you about the Spark Healing Summit. And if you haven't already checked it out, there's still time to register before it kicks off on May 20th. Go to sparkhealingsummit.com to learn more. Today, I'm going to pause before my conversation to tell you about something that's really close to my heart. If you've listened to past episodes of Pink Noise, you know that I'm a big fan of authentic relating. I'm a practitioner, mentor, facilitator for Art International. And on May 25th, my friend Sydney McGarry and I are going to be kicking off a new Art of Being Human course for Art International every Tuesday night from 5 to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's a six-week course, and I want to encourage you to follow the link in the show description to read about this course and see if anything comes alive in you when you read about what's possible in this realm of conscious connection. I have up-leveled my game with the way that I relate to my parents who live in Canada. I have up-leveled my game in the way that I respond to my ex-husband. I have up-leveled my game in the way that I've built a relationship with my new partner's ex-wife and the difference that that makes in the shared raising of their teenage son. This work has had a real impact in my life, and I wouldn't be sharing the opportunity for you to come participate if I didn't believe that to be true. It is such an honor to do this work, to share these practices of how I've learned to welcome everything. Even the feelings that I used to stuff away and deny, but to welcome them. And when I'm making assumptions, to acknowledge that I'm making an assumption and to be curious about what might actually be going on that's different than the story I'm telling myself in my head. There's a priority put in this program on revealing your experience. And in order to know what your experience is, we have to slow down. Slow down and connect to self. And that's really how we begin every class, with a connect to self exercise. To be conscious of your state of being in this moment. We don't have to put a mask on or pretend that we're anything other than who we actually are. And that's the gift of this work is I got to practice with the other participants how to set my mask down and to be seen as I am. And if you've heard me talk about this work before, you might recognize that I'm quoting from the five practices Welcome everything, assume nothing, reveal your experience. And the fourth is own your experience. This is about accountability and not projecting how you feel onto other people. But it's owning what's true for you. And there's exercises that we play in this course that allow you to see how it's modeled and ways in which you might not be owning your experience. I found that to be true. I had ways in which I wasn't owning my experience, especially with my ex-husband. I did all kinds of projecting in that relationship. 
and I didn't even realize it until I learned how to drop in deeper with myself. And the last of the five practices is honor self, honor other. You are given an opportunity to go at your own pace, to pause when you need to, to take breaks when you need to, that you're here for you. If you decide to sign up for this course, that is a priority set throughout. And honor other is an invitation to leave room for everyone else to do the same thing. To honor themselves in relationship with you. And I've had the good fortune of taking this course many times before I became a facilitator. And I learn something new about myself every time. You don't have to take my word for it. Go to the website, Authentic Relating. I'll put a link in the show notes. And you can read what other people have had to say about the course. Again, I'll be leading it starting May 25th. Registration is still available. There's five seats left. Maybe you'll be in one of them. If practicing in public and working in groups with others, if that's not the way that you like to develop your skill set, then today's episode might be the right kind of medicine for you. It's a story about floating. And to define that, I'm talking about sensory deprivation tanks that are filled with salt water, like hundreds of pounds of salt water. And you seal yourself into these tanks so there's no light and sound. And you're given an hour of complete silence in the privacy of your own head and body to just see what happens. And today I'm interviewing Dean Paris. He is the co-owner of Float Seattle And this story is about how he floated his way into becoming an owner of his own studio after finding a key that managed his crippling anxiety. And if you're a regular listener, you know I love a good transformational story. And this one is no exception. Inside the float tanks, Dean found a way to be of service to his own healing. And that is why he's now dedicated his life to helping other people do the same thing, which proves once again that we share the medicine that we needed to become more whole. And that's why I dedicated five minutes at the beginning of the episode to tell you about the Authentic Relating course because it's made such a difference in my life. And so today... Dean is very clear in this conversation that everyone gets something different out of the sensory deprivation tanks. So the reason he goes in is not the same reason I go, or maybe any other member of the Float Seattle studio team. It's a very personalized experience. With that said, I'm going to drop you in to the part of our conversation where I had just asked him why he started floating. I'm a generally anxious person. I come from trauma. I was a traumatized child. And, you know, when you have, you know, general anxiety disorder and, you know, occasional depression related to PTSD from childhood trauma, it kind of I think of it as being wired a little different, right? Your response, your responses aren't always normal, you know, not neurotypical. Um, so anxiety is something I have managed my entire life in a lot of ways. And above, I think above everything except for, well, no, I'm going to put it right up there with psychotherapy and marijuana for controlling anxiety is floating. It's one of the best things ever. And um, I mean, there are better resources than me to discuss the neurology of what's going on, 
But that regular practice of engaging your relaxation response over your flight and flight, fight and flight response um, does a world for anxiety, uh, anxiety management. Because um, it's not that I'm not an anxious person anymore, but because I've been floating for multiple years on the regular, I can, I can get through my anxiety a lot better. It's, it's, for lack of a better word, it's managed, right? It's like, I'll, I actually catch myself stepping back and it's like, I can feel the anxiety brain engaging and, and those gears start spinning because it's just something that happens. But then myself is able to like step back from that and be like, okay, that's your anxiety and it's just reacting. And let's look at the situation and, you know, what, what actually has to be done, you know, logically and move through it from that place. So, you know, I go from, I go from something that would be giving me a panic attack and having me pulling my hair out to kind of stepping back with my hands on my hips, taking a couple deep breaths and managing the situation. So if I'm hearing you right, Floating mm -hmm. regularly has given you access to learn how to slow down. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. To, to relax on a level that I maybe had not even been allowed to relax before. Not you know? allowed. Yeah. In that way that I hear you say it, it sounds like nervous system training. It, it is completely nervous system training. Yeah, that's, that's in, a, in a nutshell, that's essentially what you're doing in there on a very base physical level, right? Because you're disengaging that limbic system and engaging the paralimbic system. And, you know, it's, and, you know, your cortisol levels drop and your, you know, your muscles relax and all the other stuff. And it's definitely, it's, and like meditate, like meditation is nervous system training, right? But there's, um, Whereas I feel like meditation is a very kind of an intellectual mental exercise. Um, what's happening in the float tank, in addition to all the, the mental um, meditation aspects is that, that deep, deep physical response, that letting go at a really core visceral level. Like, you know, 10,000 years ago, this was the shamans going down to the cave for a couple of days because everyone was driving them crazy. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go down where it's dark and warm and quiet. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm going to take my plant medicine and go hide in a cave. Yep. I'm going to go down to the cave for a couple days. When I come out, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> for sure. But, you know, in 2021, we jump into float tanks instead. Why do you think it's important for someone to have multiple float experiences at the beginning before they judge whether or not it's for them? That's a really good question. I think in a big part, it's because of the cumulative effect of the practice. It's like you can, you can try it once and you might get something out of it. The first one is, you know, I like to think of it as 75% learning curve because it's a new environment. It's a new sensation. Um, a lot of people maybe have not even tried meditation before. So the idea of just being alone in the quiet with their head for an hour is a novel concept. But there is definitely, there's a cumulative effect that happens. So it's like you have that first float and you, you, you relax and then it kind of, kind of sticks with you for a couple days, that deep relaxation and just calm abidance that comes from it. And then the second one, it, that the effects last a little longer. And then the third one, it lasts even longer. So I think the one, I, I think the one, two, three is a good model because it's like, you get that full effect. You realize, you know, it takes, it takes time to trust the water. We're mammals. So we kind of, you put us in water and we're instinctively kind of like, oh, I got to keep my head out of the water. I got to do this. I got to do that. Just being able to relax more and more and more and learn to trust the water and trust the environment to the point where you can just completely let go has both, you know, a very deep physical and mental effect on people. And it sticks around. 
you know, if you if you're in there once a week, you you know, you never really drop out of that that relaxation circuit. You know, for me, it was kind of um, I don't know. My body seemed to respond to like a two week thing. Like two weeks is the most I can push it. Right, two weeks and I'm cussing at people in traffic again. <laughs> but it's that it's that regular it's that regular practice like anything else like people who do yoga every day it's a daily practice right if you're going to sit down every couple of days and meditate for an hour it's there's something to be said for the repetition and the practice and floating specifically there's that cumulative physical and mental effect something i'm really digging about what you said that I had never thought of when I described floating to people is the time it takes to trust the water. Yeah, yeah. It's like a learned thing, right? That's what I always tell people. It's, it's, you know, it's like, oh, what if I fall asleep? It's like, dude, if you fall asleep and go completely limp, you're gonna be so buoyant that your face is still gonna be poking out of the water. You know, your face, your knees, little bit of belly if you got it. You know, it's, it's, you're never, there's never any danger, right? Cause you're so boring. So I like, I like falling asleep in the float tank. Cause I feel like I relax even more than when I'm consciously floating. Um, it's almost to the point where it's like you fall asleep and you wake up and it's like, it's like, you're just, there's that one point in the middle of your chest. That's kind of like, I describe it as a string, right? So there's that string where everything's kind of held up. And then the rest of you is just limp and hanging. Do you know what happened to me? I've been floating for six years and I <laughs> fell asleep last week for the first time. What? Oh, what? You're blowing my mind. Six years in and you fell asleep for the first time. Wow. Now, I travel, I call it my space pod. I'm sure, you know, to many of my friends and here on the show. I say, oh, I was in my space pod again and I had this experience. So I absolutely travel, right? Oh, okay. But to fall asleep, like I leave my body and I have, you know, this incredible access to my subconscious and to source. Right. But to actually fall asleep had never happened. And I woke up quite startled. See, now we're touching on like um, how many different modalities you can find in a float tank. Like one of my favorite things about floating is that it's like everyone seems to get something different from it, but everyone seems to get exactly what they need. Um, so like what you're describing is um, you're doing more what I would call shamanic work in there, right? You're traveling, oh. you're, you're traveling without moving, right? Mm -hmm. You're exploring the subconscious, you're exploring the dream realms, you're doing all that stuff. Um, and then another side of it is a physical modality where it's like, I'm exhausted and all my muscles hurt and all I want right now is to float in a warm tank of salt water and take a nap, you know? And it's like, both are valid. Those are, those are kind of the two spiritual and physical extremes, right? Um, and then everything in between, right? Some people go in there and I, it's, ama it's amazing working at a float studio because it really like, I'm so glad I took psychology even though I didn't end up becoming a full-blown therapist just because working with humans has affected every job I've ever had. And working in a float studio, you, you know, you have people, you have people managing chronic pain, right? So they're coming in, you know, I, my favorite are the, the little old ladies with rheumatoid, right? And they come in all kind of crunched up and, and limpy and you give them an hour or two hours in a tank and they're dancing out of there like Disney princesses, right? You know, arms above the head, birds singing around them. <laughs> and then you have, you know, people who are going in there and they're doing like deep, deep psychological integrative work, you know? I've had like, I've had grown ass men come out of a float tank just, just shook, shook to their core. And, you know, it's, it's important. We want to hold, you want to hold space for them. And, and I, I always kind of do a gestalt thing. And I've had grown men come out of cathartic experiences in float tanks. And when they start talking about it and they're just like, 
I'm way too hard on myself. And why am I angry at myself all the time? And I realized I hate my father and I think that that's okay. And, you know, and it's like, then, you know, I've literally had guys like start crying after experiences like this. You just kind of, it's like, yes, that's totally valid. Yes. I'm so glad, you know, you're, you're there. And do you want a hug? (laughs) You know, so it's, it's, you've got that full spectrum of human experience and it's all, it's just a tank of salt water. It's all we're, it's all you're doing is tricking your brain into doing something it already knows how to do. Right. It's amazing. I was listening to a TED radio hour this past week on a road trip with my partner and his son. And the TED radio hour was about water. And there was a heavy emphasis on access to clean water Mm -hmm. and equality, inequality in our country and in our world around access to clean water. There was an indigenous woman as one of the speakers who was talking about the water being life and Mm -hmm. in the womb surrounded by water and that it is it is she said her people see it as their job to protect the water the water Mm. is is life energy is life source and i really appreciated being reminded of their relationship to water and their stories about water and how much more healing would happen in our country if more people listened to what the indigenous folk know. Oh, oh, 100%. They should be leading us. Absolutely. We have a Native American... Secretary of the Interior, that's a really good first step. I follow a lot of um, indigenous artists and uh, one of them's a comic artist on Instagram. And he posted this little comic and it was like the, the two old natives at the bar, right? And the one of them's like, oh, oh, that, and now they're saying everything's connected and we're all intertwined and this and that, you know, talking about, you know, bigger systems theory and stuff like that. And the other one kind of is raising his beer and he goes, oh, it's amazing. I wonder what they'll, in quotation marks, discover next. I want to go back to the power of water and this idea of, of the womb. You talked about the modalities, the ways that people can use the float tanks in service mm-hmm. of their mm-hmm. healing, their body, their mental and their physical and their spiritual sense absolutely right it it really really covers that gamut and there is something so nurturing about being held in this salt water and one of the ways in which i describe my experience to people is that there's no other way of being in this physical body in the in the world where you can be held at equilibrium yeah from 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 toe tip to the top yeah. of your head, you yeah. are in complete alignment. There's no soft bed that you could yeah. sit on that wouldn't provide some tension of where yeah. it's, 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 there's resistance. You could be on the softest bed in the world and you're still gonna be under the effects of gravity. You're in a float tank, you are literally freed from gravity. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anywhere else inside the atmosphere where you can, you can achieve true weightlessness like that. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that is definitely one of the marvels. Yeah. And it is very womb-like, right? Because it's like, you don't, the water is like, the water is more, there's, it's, it's got a higher salinity than you. So you like, you don't even prune, right? That's one of those new floater things. They come out and they're like, I was in there for an hour. How am I not all pruny? You know? And it's like, well, the salt content of the water and the salt content of your body, blah, blah, blah. But it's, you know, it is like that. And it's got, the water has a texture, right? It has almost a silkiness to it, you know? And yeah, it's, it's like you said, that, that complete support, that return. It's, it's, I feel like it's a return to the womb, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways. Um, in that sense, it's like, what I mean is like, it's like a reset button, right? It's like, go in there, go in there with your worst day and all your worries and all your troubles and give it an hour. 
and you know, I'll bet you dollars to donuts when you come out, you've hit the reset button and you're you feel a lot better about everything. And something I really want to say about your company, because I'll probably be saying it in the intro, but <laughs> you are in fact Dean, the co-owner of Float Seattle. I am. And Float Seattle has three locations at Green Lake, Greenwood, and Bellevue, Washington. That is correct. And there is something that I decided is true at the very beginning of my relationship with Float Seattle. And it was right when Sean McCormick, the original owner, was um, moving on from that position and that you and Andrew decided to be an employee-owned company and, and take it over from him. And because you were already employees and floaters yourselves? I was a member. I wasn't even an employee. Yeah. So Andrew was the general manager and I left the Port of Seattle after 13 years, but I had been a member for the last two. And basically the joke in the float tank in the float tank industry is like, once you're in a float tank thinking about running a float studio, you should just do it because you're, you're already there right? They're like, you're already there. Just go, go out there and actualize it. Um, so I was actually, I was talking to them about being their first franchise. And that's when McCormick decided to sell. And Andrew Lop now brought me in as his business partner rather than as, as a franchisee. So, and the rest is history. <laughs> Indeed. What I wanted to express to you and actually to my listeners mm-hmm. is that I don't believe that all float tank companies are the same. There's a reason why I hold this belief that I'm such a fan of your company. And it's because I connect intentionality of why you exist is to truly serve the health and wellness of other humans. And because I believe that, I believe that there is loving intention in the water. And when I believe that, Mm -hmm. I believe that I'm floating in that love. (laughs) And that I, I could go to another company that has a float tank and maybe they're in the float tank business because they think it's a trend and that they're going to make money. Well, I'll bet you anything, the same loving intentions is not in that water. Right. Love is the secret ingredient, right? That was my big takeaway from Ram Dass's teaching. It's like, we're just here to become love, you know? And that is, that is the great work that we can be doing with our lives. And how does that show up for you? How does that show up for me? Oh man, <laughs> every, every day and every way. <laughs> choosing a life of service, right? At some point you choose, like, I just want to do good. I just want to be of service. I want to help as many people as I can. And there's not, you know, I, I appreciate that I'm on the smaller scale, you know? It's like just out there at the grassroots level every day, just trying to be a good human. And what does it look like when you're a good human? Oh, wow. Sorry. Is there is there an impact that you have on others? Um, I like to think so, but it's more for me. It's more just the eightfold path, right? Right thought, right action, right deed. You know, and it's I think being the change you want to see in the world starts with you. And that was that was Ramdas's whole thing, right? He's like working on yourself is the work. Um, And if you can enlighten yourself, you're doing your part to enlighten the universe. Um, So I guess for me, the way that shows up is just, just, you know, loving my friends and loving my family and loving my community and trying, trying to be a safe space and a supportive structure for people and things. And it's a big question, Sherry. In that list, I was waiting for you to say, and love myself. Oh, well, it all starts there, doesn't it? 
I mean, love, loving yourself is, is the first step in loving the world. Amen, brother. What, how does it show up for you? Well, I keep finding that all roads do lead back to the importance of loving yourself. Mm. And one of the things I'm battling right now is how loud the inner critic can be. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to breed awareness into mm. the tone and texture of my critic and bring it into the light and say, yeah. oh, I see you. And I can decide from that viewpoint if it serves me or not to like set it down and tell it to fuck off or... <laughs> or go all right yeah Mm -hmm. something i wrote yesterday in my journal about it was it doesn't get to drive an autopilot and unconsciously corrupt my path right because you're integrating all that stuff right you're working through those old the old habits and the old tapes and you know is this family stuff is this culture stuff Right, kind of striving for that, I guess, I guess authentic would be a good word. Authentic self. Yeah. So where is that switch get flipped from being raised to think being, you know, to think well of yourself or to be conceited is bad and shameful. And yet somewhere in my early 20s, I had to stand and be confident and believe in myself and have faith that that I have something to offer. Who, who models that for you as you go from being a youth <laughs> to being an adult? Wow. That's in our culture. Wow. Probably no one. <laughs> That's like the razor's edge of self-esteem, right? Cause it's like, if you come from like, I, you know, if you come from trauma and hardship and stuff, it's like, so what the fuck is self-esteem? That's not my generation. We weren't raised with that shit, right? We were raised to, you know, don't be rude, don't be conceited, you know, don't brag, don't this, don't that. And then it's like, you're right. It's like, where, where is the tipping point on that? Where it's like believing in yourself and having that self-worth and the self-esteem without tipping into the, you know, the conceited ass edge of the pool. With Float Seattle specifically, like Andrew and I both very sincerely want to live lives of service. And floating is something that in all, in all our seeking, floating is something we found that works and it works pretty much everywhere, right? So it's really easy to get behind that. Um, and it's just fun. And I mean, in the God's honest truth, I mean, if you like floating, run a float center because you float for free. You get to float all that you want. <laughs> I, can, I can sneak in at one in the morning and float if I want to. I got the keys. <laughs> What's the longest you've ever floated for? Oh, I think my longest is three and a half, 345. Yeah. Um, I think the secret to taking longer floats is napping. So basically, like, um, for me, a three-hour float is, like, there's, like, 45 minutes or an hour of, like, body relaxation, you know, and you kind of, you're going through, your, you're scanning your muscles, you're telling everything to relax, you're letting everything chill out. Then I'd fall asleep for about an hour. And then I'd, it, it, it's not really, like, a waking up, it's more of just, like, a surfacing, right? Because you don't, it's like, you don't really, it's like, you don't feel yourself fall asleep as much. You just, you sink into that deep theta, which can then become sleep. Um, But you'd, I'd surface out of that. And that's when it was like, things would get a little weird. (laughs) In that, um, in that sense that we were talking about earlier, like shamanic voyaging and things like that. You know, you, you surface into a crystal cave that's alive with color and you're talking to your, you know, your spirit guides or, you know, you, you wake up to the sound of laughing and you realize it's you giggling in the float tank, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, the places you can go. When I begin, there is a there is a focus on the breath. Mm-hmm. So All that's, this, yeah. that's almost always where I start just to get embodied 
yeah, yeah. can really feel like the parts of me that are engaged in the act of breathing. And I try mm-hmm. to acknowledge all of it. The right. feeling of the air in my nostrils and going down the back of my throat, my chest expanding, my belly. Yeah, especially if you're jumping in kind of scattered or busier on that day, right? It's like bringing it back to the breath and the center kind of like, you know, focuses you once you're in the tank. Yeah. And the greatest gift the tank gives me is clarity and uh, creative downloads from source. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I come out with an exact script sometimes of what I want to deliver, a message uh-huh. to someone. Oh, yeah. Um, my to-do list become very clear. My priorities <laughs> rise to the top. I find things that slip through the cracks in my busy week and right. they, I get reminded of them. Oh, hi. Don't forget about me. Yeah. Don't forget about me. <laughs> the, I call that an organization, organizational float right? It's like I've got a project or, or something, you know, lots of pieces moving in different directions. And it's like, you can get in there and get your head around it, right? It's like, oh yeah, and that, oh yeah, and that, and your little side list, tick, tick, tick. Yeah. And that's good. But the, but the epitome for me mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. when I receive a vision for a project and sure. I get a really clear why, I get a really clear what, and I get a really clear how. Nice. And I've come out and done some pretty big things. Yeah. Anyone that followed me through the, through my projects of the last few years knows that Uh Love Church only existed through all of 2019 because I birthed in a float tank in the fall of 2018. Right. Yeah. I remember that's a gorgeous story. And, and there's more coming up. There, there's right. more that I am, I am birthing right now that is becoming nice. more and more clear. I started floating again in April 1st, kicked my membership back in as you, as you may know. And it's been twice a week. It's good. It is. Yeah. It is. And, and I had a lot of guilt around the what? the money. What I oh I did. yeah, I really had to battle. Um, yeah, that's and it's so the funny. financial. We, we struggle so much with like making it affordable for the the biggest demographic of people. Because I mean, it's it's you know, it's the lights are always on, the pumps are always running. We always are adding more salt. Um, you know, we want to pay our staff a livable wage. We want them to have health insurance. Um, but it's like, we, we are cognizant of that fact as a company. It's like, it's like some, for some people it's, you know, for some people it's chump change and it's, they don't even think about it. And for other people, it's the struggle is real, right? It's like, you have to figure out. I was like that when I was a member, I was like, okay, I've decided this is something I need in my life and let me sit down and look at my monthly budget and ca- you know, carve out a hundred dollars that I can put towards float every month, you know? Yeah. Cause it's, 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 once you decide it's a necessity, then you, you have to make the space for it. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly it. Once I realize the benefit to my mental and physical well being, and really it's the access that it gives me to creation. Mm-hmm. It is access to creation in a way that like doesn't that. show up for me in any other, right. any other thing that I do. So what I really wanted for this episode was information about what makes Float Seattle unique for anyone who is interested in checking it out. Mm-hmm. But more to the point, it's the how we unlock our own potential. And however you find it, mm-hmm. I mean, just because for me, I found it inside of a float tank, right. un- unlocking our potential is the point. Like that is one of the things I stand for and it is, right. my, is, is a mission in my life. Right. Doing the work. I got you. We've talked often in the studio 
about yeah. your beliefs, almost like in, in, as a humanitarian, as a philanthropist, mm -hmm. there's things that you believe. Right. And I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to dig into that a little bit with your permission. Oh, okay. What are some of the things you value? I don't know. I just, as far as like living a life of service, it's like I can, I can see no better thing to do with my time, especially given the time and the place we are at in the continuum. I can see nothing better to do with my time here on earth than to just, just take care of people, right? Be it, be it take care of myself, take care of my family, take care of my friends, take care of my community, right? It's like, I, I think that is the best possible thing I could do with my time here, right? And where did you come up with that philosophy? Um, I guess, I don't know. I guess I was raised kind of to be a humanist. Um, for me, it was more of a path through Zen and Taoism was kind of the gateway I passed through um, to just to just come back to like what everybody said all down the pipe. You know, it's like, this is all one thing. We're all in this together. Love is all that really matters. And whatever you can do in your life to amplify that is, is the work, right? By working on yourself, resolving your own stuff, making yourself a better human, you do the work to enlighten humanity as a whole. Which sometimes feels like not enough people are doing that work. <laughs> um, yeah, does that make sense? It does. And I'm wondering, yeah. because you've, figured that out or because you believe that mm -hmm. and if someone listening to this thinks I want more of what Dean's got mm -hmm. that sounds really good to me to focus <laughs> on the importance of you know love is always the answer right what are some inroads that a person could take to foster and nurture more love for themselves, more love for their family, more love for their community? You know, ultimately for the individual, it's everybody's gonna have something different. Like for, every, for somebody it might be, you know, adopting a rescue dog. For somebody it might be fostering a child. For somebody it might be, you know, finally going to therapy to deal with the trauma they've been avoiding their whole life. You know, it's, um, you gotta, it's, I think you have to find that self-love first, which is the struggle we all have to get through. And then it's just a matter, I think, of following, you know, to be kind of cliche about it, following your bliss and, and finding where the universe wants you to be, which is going to be something different for everyone. Um, so again, I guess I can loop it back to float tanks, right? Because it, it works and it's going to give you whatever you need out of it. So it's wherever you're coming from and whatever you need in life. Um, floating is probably a really good place to start. I am, I am definitely a true believer in that. Because um, like you said, right? You're going to get your download. You're going to get the message you're supposed to receive. Right. So rather than me being like, read this guy, go see this, do this work, see this movie. Um, just just try to try to shut up and get out of your own way. Right. I love that. Yeah. Shut up and get out of your own way. <laughs> shut up and get out of your own way. <laughs> I find the big trick to a lot of things in life is literally just getting getting out of your own way. You know, but again, like I'm someone who comes from trauma. So it's like, how do you, how do you feel good about having self-esteem when you have worked so hard to have self-esteem, right? It's like, where is that point where it's like, I've worked my whole life just to feel good about myself. How do you keep that from, oh, now I feel bad about myself for feeling good about myself, right? It's, it's a whole trap, right? Ultimately, it's the ego trap, right? <laughs> 
but so yeah, just like getting getting out of your own way is is huge. And um, I guess telling yourself to shut up, I, I should probably unpack that in that I have a lot of anxiety and stuff, just parts of my brain that just go on autopilot, right? And it's, I call it the anxiety brain. And it's like, you learn what that part of your brain is and what it's gonna do. And that allows you to manage it, right? Cause it's not, it's not gonna not do that. It's always gonna have these reactions. But if you realize that that's how your, your uh, subconscious works, you can kind of acknowledge that. So it's, it becomes compartmentalized, right? You're like, oh, that's the anxiety. Oh, the anxiety brain. Yes, of course. Oh, yes, let's worry about everything. And don't forget to worry about how much you're worrying and all of that. And it's like, I will literally have conversations with myself where I'm telling that part of my brain to shut up, right? It's like, shut up, shut up, anxiety brain, shut up. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I can get this done. It's going to work. Just be quiet. <laughs> so I wanted to offer, uh, you were talking about the anxiety brain and having the conversation with it. Mm -hmm. And I realized the importance of acknowledgement is always the first step towards either dissolving the thing you don't want mm -hmm. or softening it mm -hmm. or having it that's take a, a back yeah. seat instead of a front seat. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like, I like softening and dissolving. That's very apt. But you have to acknowledge it. So saying, oh, oh I yeah. see you. Otherwise it'll take over, right? <clears throat> Yeah. And that's, that's a whole other struggle. Right. Yeah. There's something I wanted to add to the experience of floating. You had said uh, before we talked about the anxiety brain, mm. you had said, uh, we get out of it what we want. Right. Or rather, we get out of it what we need. What you need. Yeah. Everyone gets something different and everyone seems to get exactly what they need. So I hear that. Which just, which just is a witness on the day-to-day -day is one of the things that keeps me constantly engaged and astounded, right? It's like, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. You're, I'm sorry, you were saying. Well, I wanted to offer an experience I had that was super powerful around mm. floating. And it had to do with intention. Mm. And one of the regular floaters, uh, Teresa, had, mm -hmm. we were working on a project together and her thank you gift was to buy my first month ever of unlimited floating. And this was September of 2018. Mm -hmm. And the first night that I floated in that month I remember lying in the tank thinking, how am I going to use this gift for the highest and best good? And it occurred to me that I wanted to set an intention mm -hmm. for the month. And I got really, really clear that this gift that in the span of this month, I was going to have an idea through the float tank that was going to define the direction the next season of my life. Nice. Like I just named it. I said, that's yeah. what's going to happen. And any, any idea that comes through in the float tank, I am beholden to follow up on. Mm -hmm. Like it is my duty to listen to the messages that I get ah. from the float. And so I had to start acting on it. Right. I had to act on it. I had to do the thing. I had to follow up. I had to, and by the 13th float, I got the full download. Of oh, the lucky number 13. Lucky number 13. <laughs> That's a powerful intention. And it's just another way in which one can use the float tanks as a vehicle to move them from where they are to where they want to be. Like right. it really is a transformational opportunity mm -hmm. 
And you get to decide what you want it to mean or what you want it to heal. Right. Exactly. And I just, and I honestly think that if you believe it, mm-hmm. it's true. It is. Well, and that's like the whole trick to being human, right? It's like, we get to decide. It gets, it, it's like, you're going to get whatever you need from the float tank, be it, be it recovery, be it, you know, enlightenment, be it, you know, the download as you call it. It's, it's crazy how much, how much and how varied the experience could be just like people, right? It's like, everyone's going to have their own little journey. Yeah. Well, we would been talking about intention and I, I believe you that you get the experience you need. And yes. I believe you can guide it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. If exactly. I show up and say, I'm going to get the idea that's going to design the next year of my life, yes. then that's Absolutely. what's going to happen. Absolutely. And I just have to sit with the intention long enough and give it enough space mm-hmm. to appear. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever have, I call the, um, do you ever do, it's like, a, I call it a question flow, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, there's something, there's something you're trying to figure out, something you can't quite get your head around. And you just kind of like, you just ask the question. Oh right? yeah. And you just say like, here's my question and I'm going to go float and I'm going to let everything go. And like, without fail, every single time at some point in that quiet, you are presented with a very clear answer, right? Yeah, 100%. And it's like, that's the thing. It's like, I think we're saying, I think we're saying the same thing, right? This is just, this is, we're just getting into the granularity of like, everyone gets what they need from it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Cause it's like, that's, that's what I mean. It could be so many different things. It's like, you can have a question float. You can have a project planning float. You can have a nap float, you know, you can, you can do all these different things. Um, some of my favorite floaters are these, these little old retired people who come in every morning and they're like, they're lifelong meditators. And now that they're like in their seventies, they meditate in float tanks because it's better, it's better for them than sitting on the floor for an hour every morning, (laughs) but they're in there doing like their 40 year meditation practice every morning. And they've just transitioned from like a, a mat to a float tank, you know, it's just, just incredible. And I think that's to bring it back to what you were saying about float Seattle and love being the secret ingredient. That's, that's kind of our thing. Like we don't, we don't use the word spa. That's a dirty word. Right. A lot of a lot of float places are trying to be float spas. They want to position themselves as this high end luxury brand. And it's like we we you know, we honestly believe that floating is for everyone. And if everyone would get in a float tank for an hour once a week, the world could be a much better place Um, because we've all you know, every single person in the company has had their lives changed by floating in, you know, in some kind of profound way. You know, for everyone, it's a little different, but it's, it's something happened in their lives that floating became the answer or the, the portal, you know, to their own truth. So it's, you know, to not sound kind of kooky, I mean, we are, we are true believers, you know, and we, we believe in this thing we're doing and we believe in helping and being a service to our community. Um, my tagline is people ask me what I do. And I, I tell them I'm a purveyor of chill and a facilitator of healing. And, and what better use of my time could I have, right? Because that's the thing. It's like, you don't, you don't go into the float industry to become wealthy. This is not, you know, our margins are very small. You know, we're not in this to get rich. Um, I guess they call it a lifestyle business because it's like, you're not going to become crazy wealthy, but if you live, you can live a comfortable and moderate lifestyle and feel really, really, really good about what you're doing at the end of the day. Right. Which is huge for me because I've been in customer service all along. You know, I started out as a chef. Um, and then I was in, uh, I was in nonprofit. I did science education at the Pacific science center. You know, it was all, there was always some sort of customer service aspect to what I was doing. And I eventually reached a place in my 40s where I was like, 
I'm getting pretty good at what I do and maybe I should be doing something for myself and my community rather than for organization X, Y, or Z's bottom line, right? Because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm making a good wage. I've got benefits. I have a mortgage now, but I don't feel good about what I'm doing in the larger scheme of things. Yeah, right? Similar stories. That's, yeah. That's why I left my career. And I'm glad that you brought it back to um, the, the level of service and the smaller margins because I yeah. did bring up the the guilt around the membership oh, fee and yeah, yeah and what i didn't what i didn't close the loop on is that i in in the meditations in the float tank i have so made peace i have so made peace with it because i see that it's just the energetic exchange of moving right. moving the money to right. an independent business that because ultimately money's just energy Right. Yeah. That's exactly what came through in the float. This was even just like three weeks ago. And it was so profound to feel it and know it in my bones. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't just an intellectual concept. I actually felt how the ripple effect of when you spend money for good, you're spending right. money for good when you're spending money one-to-one. -one. It's coming right. from my pocket and it's going into your pocket as an independent business owner. And what happens then is you keep it local. You spend it local. It gives you access to more. And then that has a ripple. So that's yeah. where instead of it just sitting in my bank and me hoarding it like I'm, like I'm in scarcity mode, when mm. I free it up and I move it, it has all these other benefits that that are that impact my community and the people around me yeah in a huge way in a very real huge way yeah yeah you said it's interesting you said the guilt the guilt about the map so is, is that like guilt about taking care of yourself no it's around the fact that uh okay so i guess i'll just say this it's that i'm not earning a wage i don't have a oh. job oh okay okay that i'm i'm self-employed and so, so it's in, so it's like, it's indulgent yes. to spend that money. Yes. Right. Sherry, you're worth it. You are worth every penny. It's hard, right? It's hard to be like, I deserve, I deserve to take care of myself. I deserve rest. You know, this is, I think this is a huge thing. The pandemic has brought up for people. It's like people kind of like, Everybody got to stay home with their families for a couple months, you know, and come good or come bad. I think a lot of people realized, what the hell was I working so hard for? You know, why was I, you know, this, this whole grind. Uh, I ultimately, I think grind culture is abusive. I think we've been sold a bad bill of goods. And it's like, you know, it's like, you, I don't understand. It's like why people, it's like, they need permission to rest, you know? So for everyone out there listening to Sherry's show, we are giving you permission. You have permission to rest and you have permission to do whatever you need for self-care, right? 100%. Thank you, Dean. Thank you for sharing your love and your passion <laughs> for floating with me and my Oh, listeners. thank you. I always enjoy talking to you. I'm sorry I was so nervous to be interviewed. Oh, the fact that Dean said that at the end just touches a very tender place in my heart. I've had other guests tell me that they wouldn't have done any other podcast as their first podcast, but knowing that it was with me, they felt comfortable sharing more of themselves. It just reminds me how typical it is that we don't feel safe to reveal more of ourselves to each other. And if you don't know this about me already, I consider it a great privilege and an honor to hold space for my guests. And I'm genuinely curious about how they became the person that they are, doing what they're doing. And I love sharing it with all of you. So thanks for tuning in. Next week, more fun with my friend Max Riggs. He plays with energy in the most delightful ways. 
and I can't wait to share more with you. Until then, keep mining and shining that gold within.